Well, in honor of Mother's Day, we have a very special message this morning. And that message is going to be brought to us by uh, some mothers from our congregation. And uh, I'm going to have them come up in just a moment. But I want you first to open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10 and then verse 30. This morning as we reflect on uh, the lives and blessing that moms are to all of us. You know that home is where the heart is. That's what they say. And I think home is where your mom is. Home is where, where your parents are. If you've ever been by an old house where your parents used to live, it's not quite home. But if mom and dad are in a, in a nursing home, that becomes the center of your family life. And if they're in a hospital, that becomes the center. And in my case, mom and dad are in heaven, so guess where my home is? I'm looking forward to heaven because that's where my folks are. And I know that all of you this morning have a place where you can call home. Either it's your mom and dad's house or maybe your house. Maybe you're the mom and dad. You say, Pastor, I don't have any place to call home. Let me just encourage you. God is your home. And you can call heaven your home. And you can call Kingsley Church your home. Because we are a family, a family of God. Uh, but as we celebrate Mother's Day, I want to read to you what the scripture says. Now this uh, speaks about a mom. It speaks about a wife. Primarily it speaks about a woman. And the Bible says in verse 10, An excellent woman who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. Now I want to just mention that when you read the next uh, 20 or so verses, it sets a real high standard for what women are supposed to be like, a virtuous woman. And uh, I think if I was a woman, I would be discouraged reading this chapter. It's like, that's a whole lot of commandments, Jesus. But you know, the Bible doesn't say a perfect woman who can find. Because no one can find a perfect woman or a perfect wife or a perfect man. There's only one perfect God. It says an excellent wife, an excellent woman. And the difference between the word excellent and the word perfect is that excellence is when you do the best that you can with God's help. That's excellence. When you do the best that you can with God's help. And so if there are any women in here who are doing the best they can with God's help, God calls you excellent. And this morning uh, is about that. It's about encouraging you and your excellence uh, for her worth, and all of the guys in here can attest to this, all the kids in here can attest to this, her worth is far more than jewels. You don't know how much mama's worth until she's gone for a few days. And then you're like, what are we going to eat? And who's going to sew my button back on my shirt? And who's going to give me money so I can go to the movies? Her worth is inestimable. You'll be living your whole life and still think about your mama and how much she was worth and things that she did for you never realized how important she was in your life, how valuable she was in your life, especially then when she's gone. So right now you need to value her and treasure her. And then verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty 
Beauty is vain. But here's the key, isn't it? But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. A woman who fears God is going to be praised by men. She'll be praised by God also. She's going to receive that good, that good saying, well done, and thou good and faithful servant. But you know, uh, although the world doesn't praise you, maybe you don't get the credit you deserve. Maybe you don't get the attention that you deserve. We pray this morning, moms, that you will receive from God the smile of his face letting you know, because you fear me, I'm proud of you. You trust in me, and I'll not let you down. I'm not going to disappoint you, is God's word to you to uh, this morning. A woman who fears the Lord. The devil is, a, is afraid. He's scared to death of women who fear God. Say amen, somebody. The Bible says that it'd be better for a man to get between a she-bear and her cub than between a mama and her child. That's how powerful a woman who fears God can be. And so this morning, I'm going to ask some ladies to come up on the platform and help me to preach and teach and to share uh, this message from their life experiences. And we have a card that we have passed out. If you have a question that you'd like to ask the panel, in just a moment, the ushers are going to come through. I'm just going to need one chair. We'll put it on that side, please. Uh, and we're going to ask uh, these ladies some of those questions that you have. Uh, so I'm going to ask them to come up, and then we're going to pray and we're going to get started. Uh, Sister Addie, would you join me, please? Sister Addie is one of our elders here at the church. Also want to uh, ask Sister Pam to come on up and Sister Linda Schweitzer. Sister Pam is our one of our elders as well. And Sister Schweitzer is the leader of our Christian education department. Come on up. And uh, Sister Stephanie is the leader of our women's ministry. And I'm going to ask Sister Nelda de los Santos to come up as well. If you three would sit here, Sister Pam over here, yeah, right here, yeah. All right, Sister Nelda, make your way up. As you can see this morning, I'm going to be vastly outnumbered, so pray for me. But you know what I want you to do in your life, in your life, and this is for all, all of the young people in here, um, especially the young ladies, in your life, if you ever have a chance, to sit in a room and talk to a group of women like this, ask good questions, and then listen. Because there's a lot of wisdom sitting up here with me this morning. Now, if I could, uh, if I could bring up all of the women I wanted to bring up, we wouldn't, we wouldn't fit up here. So I had to, I had to pick a, a few. But I want you to hear from them this morning. And so we're going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Father... We thank you for this opportunity you've given us this morning to hear from your word and from the lives of these women what you would say to, to our hearts. We ask you this morning to speak to us by your powerful word and your word living on the inside of these women. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, would you uh, take your seat and uh, while you do that, let's give these women a hand for their courage. You have to be kind of uh, bold to 
answer the pastor's questions. We're going to begin with a, with a simple question. I'm going to ask them to explain the Trinity and uh, give a few examples. Uh, I'm just picking on them. I told them I was going to start with an easy question. If you have a question, I want you to write it on that card. If you have your question already, hold it up, and an usher will come by and pick it up from you. All right? Uh, I have the great opportunity this morning of sharing uh, the pulpit with these women. And as I have said, there are uh, several women that I would have liked to have shared this moment with. But uh, they represent different parts of our uh, life, different types of life experiences. And as a church... Uh, we know that we're not all the same. We don't all come from the same background. We don't have the same types of experiences. But we do all have the same faith. And ultimately, it's faith that has uh, prevailed in the lives of these women and all of you uh, ladies out there. And so here's what I want you to do this morning. If you're not a woman, I want you to listen anyway. All right? All the men, listen anyway because chances are there are women in your life. Say Amen. And if there are not, if there's are not women in your life, you're probably wishing there were. So, uh, listen up this morning because there's wisdom that you can receive. Also, some of you guys are raising a family without the help of a wife, and uh, you need some of the insight that these women can share with you this morning. Also, if you're not a mother, I want you to listen up. All right, if you are not. Uh, grown up yet, you're still a young lady, you're, you're learning all about life, I want you to pay attention this morning because God's going to speak to us uh, through these ex the, the lives of these women and the experiences that they have had. And as we celebrate Mother's Day, uh, we want to just hear from moms this morning what God is doing in their lives. So let's begin by asking a simple question. Uh, we'll start with Sister Addie. Uh, we're going to ask you guys, what is uh, your name? Introduce yourself. Uh, tell us your husband's name as well. And then how many children you have? If you have grandchildren, how many of them do you have? And if you have great-grandchildren, uh, how many of them do you have? All right, Sister Addie, kick us off. My name is Addie Aris Mendez. My husband's name is Isidro Aris Mendez. I have nine children, six sons and three daughters. I have 39 grandchildren and 28 great-grandchildren. Wow. Praise yeah. God. <laughs> did you plan that when you started? Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I wanted a football team. <laughs> you wanted what? Football. A football team. Okay. And yes, the Lord somehow had, uh, started like that. I had three, three sons first, and then I had one daughter, and then I had three more sons, and at the end, I had two more daughters. Wow. And all of them are leaving. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Sisters. Yeah. My name is Linda Schweitzer. I'm married to Dale Schweitzer, and we have a son and a daughter. They're grown and two little grandboys. My name is Pam Freeman. I'm married to Bill Freeman, and we have a blended family. I have three kids, two sons and a daughter, and uh, six grandchildren, and uh Bill's children, we have two, and we have six grandchildren. And, uh, but they're like my kids anyway, and I thank God for all of them. Amen. My name is Stephanie uh, Mendez Martinez, and I am married to Joe Richard Martinez. Um, I have a daughter and two sons, and uh, no grandchildren anytime soon. Uh. <laughs> 
Evangelism. And that's an order. It sounded like. Uh, my name is Nelda de los Santos, and I'm married to Josh de los Santos, and I have um, two daughters and a son, and that's all. No grandchildren. No grandchildren. Yeah, they're still young. All right. Well, this morning we had a, a good question that came in from the audience, and I want to ask this to you. So we'll start with Sister Addie. What do you do uh, when the enemy attacks your family? And the question was, is there a specific Bible verse that you like to go to in those moments? Yes, I always like to remind Satan that I, um, that I can do all things to Christ that strengthens me. Uh, and um, first thing I do is pray, prayer. I believe prayer is very important in the family. As a matter of fact, it's a number one tool in the family. I call it ingredients. That's uh, the, the first ingredient that a family should have time of prayer. There's power in prayer, and in prayer we make contact with our God, and if we believe, it will be done in Jesus' name. God bless you. Uh, I have two scriptures that come to mind. One is Isaiah. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord lifts up the standard against him, and that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And I agree with Sister Addie that prayer is important. And another thing is hiding the word in your heart when the times are peaceful and good. Because when the enemy attacks, we fight him, Scripture says now, not with our hands and fists, but we fight with the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. And when you already have that word in your heart in the good times, in the peaceful times, it's easier to bring it up. And it will come out. And, and we combat the enemy. And we hear that word. And it... Hearing the word brings faith to know that we're going to have victory in Jesus' name. And we have to speak to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first thing I like to do when the enemy attacks is to begin to plead the blood of Jesus over the circumstances and over the people involved because there's power in the blood of Jesus. Uh, the, the Bible says in the book of the Revelation that they overcame by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And so, I, like Sister Linda said, I like to find the scripture that applies to the circumstances and begin to speak God's word into the circumstances, and eventually the enemy will flee. And sometimes it does not happen instantly, but the, the idea is that we don't give up. Because sometimes we're pleading the blood, and we're speaking the word, and maybe our kids are the ones that we love are not quite there yet. And so, it's up to us to not give up, but to, to continue to believe and speak the truth, wash them in the blood, and wait for the victory. In Jesus' name. Um, my scripture is Isaiah 54, 17, which says, um, No weapon formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against thee shall be condemned. And so I, that's my go-to scripture, because when situations have arose, um, I just like them have been taught that you go to scripture, you go to the word, you declare it, you find a scripture that deals with that situation and you take a hold of that. But not only that, I have, I have a good set of ladies that I go to that are my prayer partners. They are the, because the Bible says we're two or three in agreement, it will be done. So I go to them and I share with them and, and it's a very selective group because I don't just allow anyone to impart into me. Um, because I, I need them to have the same vision and hope and desires that I do. 
And so I go to them and, and they encourage me and uplift me. And then together we stand in agreement for our, our need. Um, what more can I add? We, um, of course, we go to the scripture. Um, a scripture that comes to mind is um, James 4, 7 that says, Submit yourself to the Lord and resist the enemy and he will flee. Um, but another thing that we do in our house is we begin to praise and worship. Um, we start singing out of nowhere. And uh, sometimes the worry and the burden of whatever is attacking us comes in and, it, and it's like a flood. And the Lord does lift up a standard and we just begin to praise and worship God through it all. And um, he begins to heal us and minister to us through that. So. Let me uh, follow up with Sister Stephanie, since we're talking about the enemy attacking the home. Um, Sister Stephanie, what, what is a good, uh, what's good advice for a mom when a child's health is attacked or one of your children is going through a crisis? Okay. Um, well, I, I'll share this with you. Um, January, January 11th, 2016, uh, Michael was playing basketball. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he started developing a tick. Um, he had an issue with uncontrollable movements to his mouth, his neck, his hand. Um, and I didn't know what it was. I thought he was just stressed out and it'd go away. Within two days, we were in Driscoll. Um, within two months, we were at neurologist. We were told um, Micah was diagnosed with Tourette's. And uh, this is something I hadn't shared with a lot of people because I didn't accept that. Um, one of the things that I did is I allowed myself to go a little crazy and cry and drive all over town and say, why God, why? Uh, which is, I know what we're not supposed to do, but I did. And um, I got with the ladies, some of the ladies, um, because I needed someone to, to console me first. And um, we got together, we prayed, and then my husband and I, every night, because the only time Micah was calm was when he was asleep. That's the only time he wouldn't make a noise. That was the only time he would sleep and he would rest. So every night, JR and I would go into his room and we would anoint him with oil and we would kneel at his bed and I would watch him and we would pray over him every night. Every morning before he'd go to school, we would just ask God. Uh, and, and our prayer at first was for God to heal him. But then after that, it wasn't our prayer because we knew that the Bible says that he's healed when we pray. So our prayer every day wasn't, God, heal him, heal him. It was to remove that anxiety and that nervousness or whatever it was that was causing him to do these things, to remove that from him and to give him peace. And every day, it, it was hard seeing him go through this because it lasted a very long time. The last episode we've, I think we've had was in January when his uh, grandfather passed away. But after that, we haven't had an episode. Um, and people would ask us, like, what's wrong with your son? I had a teacher ask, what's wrong with your son? And that's hard um, to sit there and see him in public. And, and he couldn't control his gestures. And I didn't understand it because he was still making A's in school. He was still doing good in baseball. And I, I didn't understand this diagnosis. Um, but Micah, every day we would put the word in the scripture into him. We posted scriptures all over the house and we would say, any room you go to, just read that scripture. At night when we would pray, we would make him pray over himself as well. We would begin the prayer and then he would finish the prayer. So he was confessing these things in his life. Um, but Micah is a psalmist. He's a worshiper. 
And Micah ministered to me throughout this whole thing because every night when he would shower, he would sing. And I would stand in the hallway and the songs he would sing was what we needed to hear that day. He would sing, from the rooftops I proclaim I am yours. He would sing, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. God will do what he says he will do. He will stand by his word. He will come through. And every night, Micah would sing a different song. And I would stand outside in the hallway. And I was like, my God, this is part of his testimony. Why am I sitting here saying, God, heal him, heal him? This is part of his testimony. God's going to do a mighty thing in him. So it was more staying focused on the word and, 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 and not wavering from that, praying over them every day, anointing them with oil, anointing them when he would go to school, anointing them before he'd go to bed. And it just became habit. Our kids cannot go to sleep without a prayer. And, and they can pray for themselves. But it was just putting the word of God in him when he didn't need it so he'll be there when we did. Amen. Yeah, Sister Nelda. Uh, this just came to mind. Share a little bit about Marcus's birth. Uh, well, when, uh, when Marcus was born, they, uh, before he was born, the doctors had said I needed to have, um, a pediat a pediatrician there as well as, um, the OBGYN because as soon as he was born, they were probably going to have to halo flight him because he had a, a unusually large heart murmur. Um, and so we, you know, we had to induce labor, but... The day we went in, um, there was nobody there to help me to induce labor. Everybody was in the emergency room. So I began to have um, the, the contractions, and then I had Marcus. And when he was born, well, his uh, uh, backtrack, my doctors were both um, pastors. And so when he was born, they just walked in, and, and he was born, like, right there on the spot. And... Um, I'm, stand, I'm sitting there waiting, you know, to hear my baby cry, and I didn't hear him cry. Instead, I see um, they put a curtain around, they close a curtain around me, and they're running in and out of the room, and they're bringing machines in, and all this stuff is going on, and all I hear is uh, I asked Josh, and Josh was sitting there next to me, and he had this look on his face, and I said, Josh, what's going on? And he says, um, Nothing, nothing. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And I said, what's going on? I don't hear the baby. And he's like, oh, they're just checking him. And so he's trying to have a brave face. Well, I hear the doctor all of a sudden. Um, in his language, he was African. And all I understood was Yeshua. <laughs> and I understood that that meant Jesus. And I said, okay, Lord. So I put my head back and I started praying and I said, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with my son, um, but you gave him to me. And then I kind of complained at first and said, God, all this pain, I didn't even have an anesthesiologist in here. I had him completely natural and uh, all this pain and for nothing. And it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me at that time and said, well, what do you think about Jesus on the cross? all that pain that he went through and was it for nothing? And I was like, oh Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I was like, um, you know, when I was asking God to forgive me at that point, I heard the baby start crying and uh, we turned around and, we, and, and looked and he was purple, 
all very purple because he didn't have any oxygen in him or anything. And so um, the Lord brought him back to us. It was about, I think, five minutes that he was um, without life. And they had already given up on him, but the Lord gave him back to us. So, Mr. Pam, you have something you can share about health crisis? Yes. Uh, my uh, third child, a son, is a pastor. And, uh, but this was some time ago when he had just, he was more or less a youth pastor and uh, very dedicated. And he had gone to Mexico to build houses uh, with a group of youth. And while standing out uh, waiting for the bus on one of these little ventures, uh, he just collapsed. And uh, no one knew why. And so they finally arranged, and he, he was uh, out for a while. And so everybody was worried, and they, they flew him back into the States. And uh, they I don't, sent him to the hospital, and they discovered that he had this, uh, some sort of tumor on his brain, and they didn't know what it was. And so for insurance reasons, uh, and it appeared that nothing was wrong with him, but for insurance reasons, uh, we had to wait six weeks to find out what was going on. And I don't know how many of you realize that it's hard to wait, isn't it? You know, it's hard to wait on the Lord. And I, I thought to myself as we went through this, why, Lord? I mean, you've, he's a minister to these young people, and he loves you, and I, I just don't understand what's going on. And we had a, a large cross, and we lived in a townhouse, and we had a big cross that hung on a tall wall uh, in that townhouse. And, and, and I couldn't fix this myself. I knew that this was way beyond me, but I couldn't believe it was God's will for my son to be sick. And so every, sometimes two or three times a day, I would go to that cross and I would kneel and I'd say, Lord, here, I'm bringing him to you again. I'm bringing him to you again and I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over him again because I know that there's power in the blood. I know that there's healing in the blood. And so, and I would begin to bind the spirits of sickness and disease off of him and call forth the spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit into his life for healing. And this went on for about six weeks. And I called everybody I knew that knew how to pray, that knew the Lord, that believed in healing. I called everyone. And I continued to pray. And as I say, it was very difficult. And I call myself a Christian. Uh, and I just, but I would, every now and again during the day, I'd get scared. And so I'd have to bind that spirit of fear off of myself and go forth in Jesus' name. Once again, uh, stating that no weapon formed against me shall prosper or my son. So finally the day came and they did... Uh, uh, a, a procedure at the hospital where they ran this dye all the way up to his brain. And he went through that. And then when we got the report back, the radiologist said, I'm sorry, but there's nothing there. We don't see anything Amen. there. And so once again, and he's never had that kind of episode since. And that's been a number of years ago. Praise and God. so I give God all the glory because clearly his hand touched him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me uh, start with Sister Addie, and her and then Sister Linda will help us out with this question. Uh, all three of you ladies here on the couch have grown children already. So uh, the question is, what do you, uh, what's your role as a, a mother in uh, the lives of adult children, uh, even in the lives of married children? Is there a point at which you have to let them go, um, or uh, what's, what's the role in, in their life? I think that the, the role of a mother never... Um Ends. And letting them go, no. Uh, 
I think that, and I tell my kids this, uh, I think that as long as I'm leaving and as long as they're leaving, they're mine and they're to listen to me. They can say an amen for that. Um, and uh, you, don't, you don't let go of your children, even if they're married. If they're married, you respect them, respect their, their family that they have, respect their life, their wives. You give them their space and uh, you just become available for them if they need to come and ask for um, an advice. And, uh, but you do not let go of them because those are our children. And, uh, if, uh, and, and it's hard because when they're growing up mothers, when it's time that you think that you have to let go of them, yes, they have to go and they will go. Like I say, my children, four of my sons were in the Air Force. My youngest daughter went and joined the Air Force. And, and, of course, it was bad. It was hard for me. And, uh, yes, you do go into their rooms and you try to kind of leave the room the way it is because, uh, but uh, they, they'll come back. And if some of your children want to move out of the house, you let them go. Just put them in the hands of the Lord and uh, tell them that, that you'll be praying for them. But believe me not, they will come back. Mine have come back. So, uh, no, you do not let go of your children. And, and uh, the word of God says, instruct the child in the ways of the Lord. And that is the second uh, 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 thing that the family needs. You know, that is, uh, that's the second need that needs, you know, instruct them. Tell them about the word of God. Uh, tell them to have faith in God. I always tell my kids, blessed is a man that fears the Lord. We have to uh, fear the Lord, we have to trust in the Lord, and we have to just uh, let them go, but they will come back. But as far as my heart, my soul, is, as far as it's, uh, I will not let go of them. God bless you all. Sister Linda, kind of dovetail on that. Uh, I, I shared with the congregation this morning that education does not begin at the school. Education begins at home. And especially spiritual education, Christian education. So kind of go along that as well. Uh, mamas are with the kids a lot more than the dads, but the dads still have a responsibility. But they need to, they need to hear the word. And <clears throat> excuse me, like Sister Addie said, we're not going to give up on them. And if, you know, they're going to see you make mistakes and you need to apologize and you need to, to repent in front of them because that's, a life education there. They need to see that, hey, we get back up. We don't have it all done. And we want to put the word in them every opportunity when, when we have opportunity to correct them. You know, you want to restore them. You want to give them the word. Why are we doing it? You know, sometimes we're tempted to go because I said so, bless God. You know, I'm sure y'all probably never said that. But, but we need to give them the word why it's done, why it's done. And when they start getting older, We've been sort of like the Holy Spirit. You know what the word says, you better not do that. And the Lord has us. We don't let go of them, but we're not the Holy Spirit who's, you know, constantly telling them what to do. If we put that word into them and we're praying and we taught them how to pray, then in faith, they're going to have to start making some decisions. And not that we let them go, but they're going to make the decision. And we're praying. And that's hard. 
because you're used to when they're little and getting older, you know, okay, you can't do that because, you know, that's not what we do in this family. We serve God, here's what you say. They've got to learn to make those decisions themselves. And when you put the word in them and you live the word before them, and that, you know, none of us are perfect. That's why we, we repent, we pray, and have your kids pray with you and say, I, I shouldn't have done that. You know, I, that was too harsh. I, I'm, forgive me. Let's pray together. You know, they need to see reality. Senior moment. Why was I saying that here? Well, anyway, when you have a senior moment, you just keep going. Anyway, <laughs> you don't let go of them. You know, the scripture says we launch them like arrows. And in Jesus' name, our arrows are going to hit the mark. And we're the ones to pray for them. And I love education. But you need, they need to have a firm foundation of what they believe. Mamas and dads, we need to learn how to share the word of God with them. Because when they get out into the public system, it's not geared for lifting up Christ. Especially the older grades and when they get in the, the college system, uh, we're supposed to open their minds. I don't want their mind open to a bunch of stuff that's not right. You know, education without Christ doesn't change people. Christ changes people. So like Sister Addie said, we don't let go of them. We're there. As they get older, you're not invasive. If she, she kept saying, if they come to you. They come to you. We're praying all the time. We're praying that the word that was planted in them is stirred up and that those boys, they learn to be the, the priest of their home, those godly men, and those, those daughters learn to be those virtuous wives. So, Thank you. Before, before we go on, if you have a question, just hold that up and one of the ushers will come take it from you. Uh, let me uh, follow along that line with a specific question. What do you do with a rebellious teenager? Any, anybody want that one? No? <laughs> well, I, I can take you want to take that? Well, I'll take because uh, w they're at that point where you, you still can make decisions for them, but they also have to start making decisions for themselves. So how do you handle that? Okay, well, unlike uh, uh, Sister Addie and Sister Linda, uh, I was not grounded and rooted in the Word of God when I raised my kids. Uh, I knew how to teach them right from wrong, and I took them to Sunday school and church, but I, I still had one foot in the world and, and one foot at the church. So uh, I, I, didn't, I wasn't a woman of God that knew the word back in those days. To, but what, here's how I handled it. Uh, I, I had a fear of the Lord, though, and a respect for the Lord. I just didn't have a true relationship with him. And I can remember, like in junior high, uh, my kids started being kind of lackadaisical with their homework. And so they would, uh, I would, I, I found myself saying, you need to do your homework, you need to get, you know, your, your grades are up to you, da-da-da. And they just kept tossing it aside. I'm talking about my, one of my sons particularly. And finally one day I just said, you know what, I've already gone to school, I've already graduated, and I made really good grades, and so this is your turn. It's your turn to go to school, it's your turn to, to make good grades, and to graduate. And if you don't graduate... I'm not the one that's not going to graduate. You are. So I'm giving this, you're, you're giving a responsibility to you that belongs to you. And from that day forth, they didn't, uh, they got it. They, they didn't turn from that. And then this same son, as he got older, uh, got to be about six foot three and a half. So he's bigger than me. 
And he, he kind of, we went kind of around and around one night, and he started talk, back-talking me, and I had a stool sitting in the room, and I drug that stool up right in front of him, and I stood on top of it, and I said, listen, as long as you live in my house, you're going to live according to my rules. And I didn't even say in Jesus' name, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but it seemed to work. So, I mean, you know, as parents, I believe we have to take a stand. And with a rebellious, a rebellion is a spiritual thing. And uh, I know that because I was rebellious. And now I know what to do uh, with a rebellious teenager. Now I would once again plead the blood of Jesus over him or over her. And I would begin to bind those spirits, those seducing spirits of the world that try to come on our children. And I would begin to call forth the, the Holy Spirit in all of his power and all of his might uh, to, and to, uh, to take control of my child. Uh, and I would, I would tell them, and if, you know what? If they were hanging around the wrong people, I'd pull them out of that group. And I would do it in Jesus' name. And you know what? It would not be easy because parenting is not easy. You can't just say, you can't do that. That's the wrong thing to do. And then go off to a movie and they sneak out behind you. No. You can't do that. It, the reason I believe that a lot of parents don't parent uh, strongly enough these days is because it's too much trouble. And so I would just suggest that, of course, by far, to know God's Word and by far to get them to the church and by far to keep them around Christian examples that are good, godly examples. But you've got to take a stand as a parent. And if you can do it in Jesus' name, more power. Amen. Well, let's stay with you, Sister Pam, for a second. Uh, one of the uh, strategies of the enemy right now in America is he's undermining uh, manhood and he's undermining uh, masculine, strong men. So what is the role of a mom in developing sons, strong sons? Well, what I tried to do was I tried to teach my sons how to treat women, uh, even when they were young boys and they just had girlfriends. I, I, I tried to teach them uh, how a woman would like to be treated. Uh, that, that he would honor her and, and treat her properly. And I remember uh, 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 when they first started dating, I would say, you know, when you take this girl out, she's your responsibility. Uh, you have a responsibility as in the man's role to protect this girl, uh, to be there for her, to treat her like a lady, even if she doesn't act like one. You have a responsibility to treat her like a lady and to get her home safely. And if you're not going to do that, you can't go out. And so that was one thing. And then the other thing was just to, uh, to, uh, to honor a young woman. And then also to work. My kids had to start working at a very young age. Uh, they were like almost too young to work. <laughs> but I just felt that was so very important that they had a job. And so they did from the time they were about 10 years old. You know, they had something to do and they earned money. And I'm not talking, it's not really all about money, but it is about responsibility and stepping into that position that God has made for them. And uh, I'll never forget one, one night, my son took this girl out and he took her to a big fancy party. And uh, about two hours into the party, he called me and he said, Mom, this girl is acting so stupid. She is acting so bad. Can I leave her? And I said, no, you can't. You took her out, and you have to stay, stay with her till the end. I said, just because her mama didn't teach her how to act doesn't mean your mama didn't teach you how to act. <laughs> so he stayed, and he was mad at me at the end of the night <laughs> because he stayed to get her home. And so uh, I, I think that uh, in order to deal with, and of course now you know that I know the Lord and I know his word, 
I, I, it would all be so much easier. So if you're here today and you're young and you have young children and you're just kind of coming to church on Mother's Day or Easter or Christmas, you know, start coming every week. Start getting your kids involved uh, so that they can learn not just from you but from godly people. So uh, I guess that's what I would say. Excellent. Thank you. Let me ask uh, two ladies here on the end this question. We read today that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Uh, what can you tell the young ladies who said a little bit about the young men? What can you tell the young ladies about um, what God says to them? And especially because <laughs> sometimes the culture, sets, the culture sets a definition of what beauty is that is uh, fake. So speak to that for us. Well, I'm sure Jaleesa's going to say amen to everything I say. So, um, one of the things, I guess, I mean, I have lots, I don't, I have lots of nieces, lots of nieces, and even some of the girls in the church I've adopted as my nieces, but um, even with the girls, my biggest thing is don't settle, don't settle, don't settle, you know, um, even with my sons, I tell them the same thing, we're not settling, um, with Micah going into public school this year, my eyes were open to a lot. Um, he went to private school the whole time. So in public school, all of a sudden, he starts getting little text messages of little girls making kissy face pictures. And uh, that was not going to happen. So um, <laughs> he should know better that his mom was going to go through his phone. And so, because um, I do believe in, in that. I mean, if we're going to parent, we're going to parent. And we're going to set standards and examples. And that's just what we're going to do. And so... Um, that was more of a teaching moment for us. It was something new for him. He thought it was kind of cool because this was new. He was new into public school. And my thing with him was, no, we don't do that. I won't accept that. Um, we have a certain standard. I don't, I don't want you to settle just for anyone. And, and I, with Attica and Jaleesa and all the girls, I'm constantly telling them, um, I want you to raise the bar because the guy's going to rise up to meet that bar. And if you just say, well, it's okay, he's all right. Well, then you're settling and he don't have any kind of nothing. He's not gonna rise up to nothing because he's just trying to meet you and get you. So my thing with him has always been like, go out there and, and decide what you wanna do. Write down what exactly you want in your mate. That was something that was taught to me very young was to write down all the specific things. I wanted someone, I did want someone older than me. I did want someone taller than me. I want someone who was financially stable. I wanted someone who had a career path that was gonna set me up in his retirement. I mean, I wanted a lot of things. I wanted a three carat ring. <laughs> I wanted a lot of things. And I said, you know what, Lord, if this is the one time I'm gonna get married, then I'm going to have three carrots. And it was one of those things where I said, you know what? I'm doing what I need to do, and I'm staying faithful, and I'm staying pure, and I'm staying this way, then my husband's going to be this way. And uh, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, and JR found an awesome thing. Uh, so, JR Saman. <laughs> so, that's my thing is I, I didn't settle. I know I didn't settle. And, and I encourage the girls not to settle, to write those things down, to pray over those things. I showed my husband the other day because I write journals. I love journals. I write down everything in the, in the midst of my problems. In the, every day I write something down. And I showed him the other day and I said, look at this. When I was in Bible school, these were the things that I wrote down. I wanted, I don't know why, but I did put on there. I wanted someone who would be a musician. I should have put a singer, but I put a musician. And um, he sings every now and then to me. But um, 
those are little things that everything I asked for was everything he said. The one thing that I said the most that I wanted was a man who could pray. And that was my number one. And the one thing I wrote on there was I wanted some, a man who could pray, who at the time of need with me and my children, he would be able to pray for us. And that is exactly what God did with us. And I mean, I didn't want to be the strong person. And I am very dominant, as you can tell. But, um, but I wanted in the moment of when we have something going through, um, he always has taken charge. And, it, and I, I know what we need to do, but he's the one that's always been, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do. And this is how we're going to attack this. And we're going to anoint him and we're going to pray and we're going to do this. And, and he is the head of our home. So one of those things that we do is um, don't settle. Write down exactly what you want and pray over those things and raise the bar because that guy is out there. And um, eventually when it is your time and when God brings him to you, the Bible says, he who finds a wife, he's looking, not you. You know, so don't, don't, don't settle. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> Quote of the day, write down what you want in your man. Here's what I think. If he's not out there, your prayers will make him. Man, that's why I have to be praying now. Sure. You brief? Yes. It's brief. Uh, I just want to say that as women, uh, you know, you, especially young women, but even older women, and even if you already are with your mate, I hope you won't leave here today without allowing the Lord to heal your broken heart. Because if you are a woman with a broken heart or a, or a young girl with a broken heart, you're not going to make right choices in men. You're just not. And if you're wounded, you're going to end up wounding others. And so please don't leave here today without allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to heal your heart and set you free. Because you're captive. You truly are captive until he heals your heart. And it's really difficult for women to make right choices when their heart is so broken and they're so disappointed. Sister Linda, we have a couple more questions. Let's have Sister Linda address this one. This is from a young mother who's asking, what are some of the sacrifices that uh, had to be made as a young mother in your life? Well, I, I worked at the college as the music, music instructor and band director, and, and I began to have our family. And, and, uh, and at the beginning, they were across the street in the daycare and from the school, and I'd drop them off in the morning, pick them up, leave them with my husband because I taught at night. We traveled at night. I was gone all the time. And after about a few years of that, a lot of years of that, my son was going to kindergarten, I guess. Well, when he got to kindergarten, it was like we took him to kindergarten, took my daughter to daycare. Then, I went, then, a, then a, the sitter picked him up from kindergarten, took him home, and then I picked up my daughter. So after that, I quit, stayed home with him. Uh, that was a financial challenge, so you need to get in faith, you know, that God's going to take care of your needs. And it, it's been well worth it to be there. You know, I'm glad that God made up for a lot of those little things I missed. The daycare teachers would tell me about them. That was disappointing. But uh, he did make up a lot of things, and, and um, you need to be there for him. You're going to live. And you can tell we didn't starve. You know, we, we still had food. You may not get to go out and do a lot of expensive things, but just because the world says it's expensive doesn't mean it's quality. But the time you spend with your kid, your kiddos, your children is well worth it. 
time around the table. Oh my goodness. At that, at, during part of that time, Dale had uh, helped our dear friends that he worked for downsize his job out because she'd lost her husband and they needed to downsize. So he downsized, helped her downsize him out. So here we were, we were both, you know, I was at home with the kids. I taught a few private lessons every now and then because I hadn't gone back to the college at that time. I was still home. So uh, he was out working different jobs. And, and so we would try to arrange to have one sit down meal together, breakfast, lunch, supper, something together so that we were all there and we, he was the only one that had a cell phone, it was those great big ones at that time. So we didn't have any cell phones and we didn't answer the phone. We sat around the table, we talked to each other, we share scripture, we pray together, we just talk about sports, we talk about whatever was going on, but we made family time to be with each other. You know, we played a lot of games of basketball and they ran picks on me and wouldn't let me shoot the ball. But it was worth it, you know, they know how to set picks and whatever. But the things you give up are, you look back of them and you think that it, that wasn't a big deal to be with your kids, to be with your children. And those are the things they remember. I had a, a, in the teen class on Wednesday night, we were talking about uh, money. And one of the students said, you know, the adults don't get it. They don't get it. We want you. We don't want you going out and working. The stuff you bring us. It's, we want to be with you. And I thought, how? They get it. The kids get it. We want to be with you. You know, they're like, we, we just tell our parents. We appreciate you want to work, but, but we're not expecting things. We really want to be with you. We need your approval. We need what you have to say. So really, the things that you might think you're giving up, they're, they're nothing. They're nothing compared to, you know, you have these marvelous little children that God has loaned to us because they're His. Amen. And we have just a short amount of time with them before they're gone. And, and we, we launch them out into life. And then we get those little, little other little ones called grandchildren. But life is, is very fast. And every minute... Today, life is just faster, faster, faster. And, and cell phones are great. Technology is great. But that isn't going to replace the time you have with your children. You know, dads, do you love them? Do you hug them? Mama, we're, we're busy all the time. Do we spend time to really get to know them? You know, Sister Addie's nine children, praise God. And I bet you spent time, you know all the ins and outs about them. You know, do you know what their favorite food is? Do you know what they like to do? Oh, sure, sure, sure. No, do you? It's worth it. And like Sister Stephanie brought out where she went to Bible school, I know her teachers, and, and they encouraged them to make life books. And when the parents would come, because my daughter went to the same school, they would encourage the parents to journal and leave a legacy. Write down and share with your children when your prayers were answered. Write it down. Let them know. You know, listen to a tablet or something. When God answers their prayer, write it down. If you want to leave them something, leave them, a, a, you know, because we forget. Sister was telling me how this morning her, her aunt was sharing things that, wow, I never knew that about our family, a legacy. You know, write them down. Share with your, you know, God answered this prayer or pray with me. Those things, you know, those are the things that last forever. Amen. Thank you. Sister, Sister Addie, you're going to have the last question here. One that uh, faces a lot of women in our 
society is, how do you live a Christian life when you don't have a Christian husband? Or how do you pray unsaved family members into the kingdom? Um, it's, it's not easy. I'm not going to say it's very easy. Uh, my husband is a God-fearing man. He has accepted the Lord. He's not a, fam uh, a people person. Uh, he's very shy, withdrawn among people. Uh, he says that he talks to God and, and uh, listens to uh, Jimmy Swagger at home. <laughs> and uh, uh, he loves the Lord. He has, he's got a big faith because anytime something is wrong, he says, we need to pray. He will not pray himself, but he'll hold hands and we pray. Uh, one thing about my husband, he has not never ever um, had any problems me getting coming to church. I can stay here all night and he knows I'm in church or going out somewhere or wherever I need to go. He's, he has never opened to that. You know, he's, he's okay with that. But the, the only hardest thing is that you're by yourself here at church. And I tell him, I said, a lot of people might think I'm a single woman. I'm a single lady. And uh, I feel bad sometimes, you know, I looking at couples, you know, they're sitting together and I'm by myself or something like that. But it's okay. You know, I, I don't argue with that. I don't ask him. I don't push him. I don't get mad at him and say, well, you have to go or this or that. Um, I leave it up to him. And I, I advise all hermanas, that are here, sisters that are here that are going through that situation to do not push them, do not uh, you know, get mad at them or anything, pray for them because I know that he is saved and I know that he will come to be one of us here and and it's not, it's not easy uh, doing this but I praise the Lord that he has never, never um uh, gotten upset or has hindered me from any of my activities that I have at the church and he knows that I have a lot of responsibility here so uh, I praise God for that can I say a little bit about the, the family yes I did have a big family but I'm going to change the subject now uh, these mothers young mothers I was a young mother for many years one of the things that I that I would like for y'all to know that the future of your children are in your hands Remember that there's a lot of young mothers here with babies, but you're responsible for their future. And that takes time, patience, and a lot of love. A lot of love. Never tell your children when you're having hardships, when you are having finance, financial problems, when there is no food, when there is something that you need to go pay a bill and you don't have it. Never tell your children. My kids always thought that I had a lot of money. I would say, uh, and I would never say no because we don't have money. I would tell them I cannot do it right now because they thought that my checkbook, that we had a lot of money because you have checks. They would tell me, I don't have any money. You have a lot of checks. <laughs> and praise God for that because even until right now, my grandchildren think that I am rich. My grandchildren think that I have a lot of money. And my kids did too. You are rich. I, yes, and I do tell them, yes, I am rich. I'm very rich. I have the Lord Jesus in my life. 
in my home and in my family. And yes, I am very rich, and I praise God for that. But uh, never tell them your hardships. Never uh, argue about that or talk bad about that. Encourage them. It's going to take a lot of love and patience, but you have to encourage them with a lot of love because uh, remember they're, how they're going to be, how they're going to grow up to be. And, and so, like I said, uh, 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 not too long ago, I was talking to my second son, Gerald, and he said, Mama, I remember at one time that you didn't like meat. I remember that you would fried chicken or cook, and you never liked it. And now you like it. I didn't say why, but it was because there was not enough. But I would rather have them eat than me. Give them the best. You know? So never tell your kids that because then they're going to be growing up like that. And you want for them to be. Education was very, very, very uh, important to me in my life. I was an orphan, like I said, at the age of two. And I always wanted to go to school. I didn't have that help. I didn't have a mother. I didn't have a father. My grandmother, they really had died. So it was up to my husband. And that's why I got married young. One thing that I asked for him, I'll marry you if you let me go to school. And I did. And I started, you know, working. The Lord, I have a, a, a testimony, a very big testimony of, about God's faithfulness. Amen. You know, because I was brought up in a Christian home by my grandmother. Believing in the, trusting the Lord, praying, praying for what we needed. But never, please be patient with your kids. I feel so bad when I see little kids that are, that don't have that. That don't have that support, that don't have that love, that don't have that understanding as they're growing up. But remember, their future is in your hands. Would you help me thank these you. ladies this morning? Praise the Lord. Here's what we're going to do, what we're going to do this morning. If you would stand, I'm going to ask all the ladies to come up. And uh, Sister Olveta, if you would come. Sister Christina, would you come up here, please? Uh, these ladies who are on the panel and uh, the ones I'm calling up, Sister Shalice, would you join us? Uh, I'm going to ask these ladies who are up here to pray with uh, all of you as you come. There might be a great many needs in your lives this morning. But this Mother's Day, God wants you to know that he's with you that he is your advocate, your defense. You're not alone. And so ladies, would you just come and just pray with one of these ladies? We're going to pray through some things this morning. And I'm going to ask all the men, all the guys out there, just pray that God would bring some breakthrough into the lives of the women in this house this morning. Father, we pray your blessing upon all the mothers here this morning. We pray for breakthrough to come to their homes, to their marriages. Lord, we know that there are many circumstances, many challenges that they face. But just as we've heard today, you are with them. You are faithful. You are for them and not against them. We pray your blessing, O oh God, upon the efforts of their lives. We pray your blessing upon their children, upon their finances, 